Hello and welcome to Owl and Fowl's Norwich City Football Club. We meet again. Fowl, we're back. We're back as <laughs> champions. Amazing. We are. And because we're champions, we've decided to do an end-of-season review because, to be honest, we wouldn't have done this if we had come 8th or 9th or, you know, lower mid-table, would we? I don't think we'd had the energy or the enthusiasm to look back over the season. Oh, well, if the money was right, I'd have done it. <laughs> But no, you're quite right. I think I think the fact that we finished the season in a very spectacular style has given us the motivation to do this, absolutely. It has. Obviously, this is going to be outside of our normal bread and butter of the, the We Meet Again series. We're not looking back at the history so much this time. And really, we're going to talk about our what we think is our defining points in this season, sort of the key moments, I think, you know, where we felt the season turned or we felt something particularly special had happened and anything really that kind of made this season. So it's not going to be a case, and I'm sure everyone will be pleased to hear, it's not going to be me and you working down every fixture methodically well, in order. I mean, I have been making notes on every single fixture, so, you know. I know this is the first time you've done your homework, isn't it? It is, yeah. But the good news is, Val, more important than Norwich getting promoted, this means we have a, a second series on our hands and we're going big time next year, aren't we? We're going to be Premier League podcasting. Absolutely. And I cannot wait to record podcasts on such monumental sides as, you know, Burnley, Brighton, the glamour ties, <laughs> isn't it? What everyone's talking about. Oh, Phil, I was looking forward to the next season. But yeah, you've, you've made a good point there. But, you know, it's great. It's great to be in a big time. Cannot wait for it. We'll be uh, hitting the global audience. We'll be riding on the back of the, uh, the Premier League's uh, worldwide success, hopefully. It's not quite the European Super League. That's another matter, isn't it? And we we won't get bogged down in um, discussions about that. Everyone's opinion from a football fan's point of view seems to be pretty unanimous. That yeah. It's a terrible idea for football. And um, we've all happily moved on from it. I mean, the one thing I would say about that is that when it all erupted and started to, to fall to bits coincided with when we were playing Watford. The news was so massive and so much was changing. There was protests, the football's future seemed to be at stake. I must admit, it was one of the only Norwich games that I can remember where my mind was elsewhere and I wasn't really following the game particularly. And almost, <sighs> yeah. I guess because, because we'd already sealed promotion made a big difference, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I don't know how you felt. That uh, it was a real strange experience. I it was sort of very secondary. That, yeah. that Norwich Watford game, hundred percent. There, obviously, we'd got over the promotion line uh, against. Well, not against Bournemouth before we played Bournemouth on the previous weekend. The Watford game for me is all about winning the league. I know promotion's the main goal, but uh, winning the league's the main goal for me. And obviously, by extension, you win promotion. But I remember the Watford game. It, if we'd won that, we won the league. I just wasn't worried about it. It felt like, I remember saying to my mate Adam, the victory against the Super League was far more important than our result that night. Yeah, agreed. Um, I wanted to open up, Phil, with a, a question that I've, I've heard mentioned a few times, and it'd be interesting to get your thoughts. Obviously, this was an absolutely fantastic season, but Norwich's greatest ever season? That's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, it's not for me, um, it, just purely because I think the season we finished third in the Premier League, I mean, you could argue that we maybe, we maybe choked and that the ending was a little bit disappointing, but I mean, 
ultimately that's got to be a best ever season, hasn't it? I mean, that was third place in the yeah. top flight, then leading into Europe, and we, we we played some fantastic football. So it's not for me the greatest ever season, but it's possibly the second best, isn't it? I mean, we we were superb at times this year. At, at both ends of the pitch, crucially, which is the difference between two years ago, isn't it? Yes. I mean, I, I guess looking at the facts, there's a lot of statistics that back up that claim our greatest ever season in terms, obviously, most points. I think there was most away wins. Like what you said, what was different this time around was the clean sheets and the goals conceded, uh, which was the best ever. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it was joint with the championship team in 71-72, but we played four more games this season. Yeah, uh, Most wins. I completely agree with you. By default, it can't beat any season in the top flight where we haven't been relegated. Yeah, a successful season there. in the top flight, yeah. yeah. And I think I think, I think you know that ninety two was it ninety I can't remember ninety two ninety three ninety it's ninety two ninety three wasn't it It was yeah yeah I, I mean okay so that's on the cusp of my footballing knowledge to be fair that season can't think you can make a sensible claim that the season was better than that but it was yeah. brilliant in its own way you know this season was magical um, yeah, yeah it's got to be up there yeah I agree do you think an element has gone against this season's achievements with the fact that you haven't been able to watch the games live. So do you think the 2018-19 campaign probably feels a bit more exciting because you were there uh, and went along with the ride? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of caveats this season, isn't there? This season's always going to have an asterisk beside it um, because of the lack of fans there. And don't get me wrong, we've been brilliant this year. We're the best team in the league by distance. I don't think that's up for debate. But I wonder if the amount of away success not just us, but a lot of teams have had this season, is maybe a mark of the fact that home fans haven't been in the ground. So, yeah, yeah that's one thing. But the other thing as well is, is it, I think it feels different this season. Obviously, not being there is a massive blow. But from the point of view that we're probably favourites, and yeah. it, it's quite unusual for championship favourites to sort of live up to the hype. It doesn't happen that much. And it's a different from our point of view. Because obviously, two years ago, we, you know, probably more bookies had us to go down than go up. Yeah. So the fact that it's unexpected, we didn't have that this season. We were favourites this year. It's a different pressure, a different vibe to it. I think that's fantastic that we managed to live up to that. But the counter argument to that is do you think 18 19 was more exciting because of that surprise element and that unexpected element? I mean, I'd put a few points together to, to support the case for 2018 19. And one of those was the fact that it was so expected. I think also. It was there was probably more exciting games, wasn't there? Obviously, there was more high-scoring games. We were a lot better as a team this season. Game management was a lot better, whereas it seemed to be more of a roller coaster ride and more fun back in eighteen nineteen. And the other point that I would make to that season is that I felt that it went a bit more to the wire that season, and we were challenged a bit more by Sheffield United and Leeds. I'm not complaining because it was fantastic to go up without hardly any pressure. But this season, I can't really remember, you know, those really big defining games you get as you get towards yeah. the end of the season. They, they kind of never happened, did they? There was no games no. that season that had that real big match feel about it. Other than you could argue maybe Swansea just after Christmas. But 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, that- you're correct. It was Brentford for me because it was one of the games actually it did feel like a, a big game against a big team. Going into the Brentford game, and Brentford are on red hot form, weren't they? You know, I know a lot of talk on Twitter, even amongst the Norwich journalists, were like, oh, Brentford are the best team in the league. Second place will be fine. We just played them off the park, didn't we? We were brilliant that day. I know it was only 1 0, and Canos did miss an open goal early doors, which was maybe a turning point that game. But the rest of the game, we were by far the best team. But um, I, I seem to remember we were really good that day, and it yeah. was just really a matter of like how much we won by. It turned out to be just be the one, but it was a really, really impressive performance. Bundia was magical. Uh, we have a top quality goal, but also I don't know if you remember the through ball he played to Pookie just before half time, which he missed. Yeah. Um, where he kind of like Bundia brought it out of defence, beat like two two or three players for pace, and just played this outrageous sort of like thirty yard, forty yard through ball along the ground of Pookie in between two defenders, and you know Pookie you know couldn't finish it. I'll credit the goalkeeper for a very good save for that one, but yeah, it was a great game. That's the only game I can think of. Uh, which really felt like a massive game against the top side, in inverted commas, because by the time we got to like Watford and Bournemouth, the job was done, wasn't it? I agree yeah. with you. I remember around that time there was a lot of, a lot of hype about Brentford, wasn't there, on the, certainly around the media circles. Yeah. I think the result that made me sort of sit up was when they, I think the game after we lost at Swansea, they went up to Middlesbrough and put four past them up there. and. Yeah. Everyone was thinking, oh, that's probably going to be a banana skin for them. You know, Neil Warnock, yeah. Middlesbrough are pretty tough at the best of times. They put four past them away. But I think you're right. I think that's a big turning point because we were so far ahead of them that I think it was an eye-opener for them. Yeah. And to be that's fair, it. their form dipped really, didn't it, kind of after that? It felt like we stuck a nail in their tyre, didn't it, really? And it, it kind of felt a little bit like, uh, without meaning to overhype us too much, it felt like Brentford, actually, very good championship side, basically came up against a Premier League side, just not quite ready for that next level. That's what it felt like to me. Without being too arrogant about it, and I was surprised how good we were against them. I was surprised how average they were as well, to be fair. Yeah, no, fair point. I didn't actually have Brentford on my list. so that's, Did you uh, not? First one I'd got on my list is... Huddersfield. Had it the first game. Why I think that was so key is we got that break. We played okay and we got that break in the 80th minute. They put the Huddersfield defender put it on the plate for us, didn't he? Yeah. And I just thought that was such an important win in the context of all those defeats the season before. Yeah, to get off to a winning start. And we hadn't witnessed a win for so long. We hadn't witnessed the goal for, for many a month. So... I really felt that was uh, it wasn't a great performance, but you know, so early in the season, I thought that was a um, a turning point and a big result. Yeah, I've actually I have got as one of mine as well for similar reasons. I've actually kind of grouped the first three games together as well. But yeah, Huddersfield, you're absolutely right because I thought the goal was big because of a couple of reasons. I mean, it was our first league goal in about eight games, wasn't it? Mm. I think off the top of my head. Yeah. Sorry, apart from I think there was our second league goal in eight games. We scored at Watford as. That's Watford it. was the yeah. only game we scored against day after, after lockdown, wasn't it? So I thought it was massive. Also, obviously, Ida got it. And again, it's a little indication that Fark's trust in youth, as he always yeah. has done, which is great. And plus the fact it wasn't a great performance, but we felt solid, didn't we? But that does bring me on to an interesting little quirk. Someone pointed this out on Twitter, and I had to double-check it. Do you know who the centre-back pairings was for the first three games, Huddersfield, Preston and Bournemouth? I do, felt only because... I did such thorough research, I've actually <laughs> made a note. 
that Godfrey and Simon were in the starting lineup. Yeah, someone mentioned this on Twitter the other day. It's like, who remembers that Godfrey played our first three games? And I yeah. was like, well, I didn't. <laughs> like, yes. No idea. <laughs> there he was, yeah. And he was partnering Simon, which, of course, was the partnership in 2018-19, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, so I've, I thought that Huddersfield game, we looked solid and uh, resilient. All over the pitch as well. I thought the defence uh, shouldered a lot of the blame for being brittle last season. Well, actually, I thought the problem was it wasn't just mid-defence. I thought it was the whole team. Midfield particularly, I thought it was a defensive problem. So I was impressed that it felt tough. I think I predicted us to lose that game, if I'm right, or maybe draw it. Didn't quite work out for Adam Ida, though, did it? When he scored that goal on the opening day, he thought this could be a really big season for him. Stop start, wasn't it? But yeah. he nicely, you know, bookended the season by scoring our last goal as well, didn't he? He kind of segues nicely into my next turning point of the season, which I've got a funny feeling might also be yours. Fire away, foul. Is it Rotherham away? Yeah, I've got Rotherham down as uh, a big one and a particular moment or incident in that game. Both penalties, I presume. And the first one was given away by Adam Eder, wasn't it? At yeah. When Rotherham were 1-0 up. And yeah. it was the first of many which Tim Krul managed to outfox uh, the opposition striker. 2-0 down, we're not coming back to win that game, are we? I made the point that if we'd lost that, that would have been three defeats in a row. Yeah, exactly. Which is massive. We've talked about that many a time on podcasts about winning and losing runs and what that yeah. does. If you lose three in a row, who knows which route our season would have taken. So we were down in about... You know, 17th from the... I know, I know it's early days, and to be fair, I don't really look at the league until, like, you know, sort of like six or eight games have gone by. But we were, you know, down properly at the bottom, you know, 16th, yeah. 17th, 18th. Because Lambert famously never lost two games in a row with us, did he? At least not until he got to the Premier League. He might have been the Premier League, I can't remember. Um, so Rotherham, that penalty save at 1-0, uh, in my opinion, is probably the biggest moment of our season. I, I think... That would have been a real turning point after that. Yeah, I've got it down as the second biggest, but we'll, we'll come on to mine later on. But I think you're right. I think that galvanised the whole team, and you suddenly had that feel-good factor that's helped by a late win as well. Yeah, and an excellent penalty from Jordan Hugel as well. It was. It was the old staggered run-up, run wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and just calmly pushed it in the other corner. I mean, it was like the 95th minute. I don't know when it was, but it was beyond the yeah. 90th minute, and it was absolutely cool as a cucumber, wasn't it? Yeah, and also in that game, I don't know if you remember, but there was a horrendous tackle on Ollie Skip as well. Yeah, there was. Yeah, and um, the guy got sent off for it, didn't he? Luckily, Skip didn't uh, endure any damage there, but I think that as well helped sort of galvanise the team spirit and the character, and it was, you know, it just felt like that game was a real turning point, didn't it? Could I bounce back to Huddersfield? So. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, you go for it. That's all right. No, not not a problem. We couldn't talk about Huddersfield without talking about the 7-0, which is our biggest <laughs> okay. win at that level. Yeah. Another question or, or another fact that I've heard banded around, probably don't agree with it, but I'll go into the reasons why later, but was that the most complete Norwich performance you've witnessed, or certainly that first half? It was a funny game, wasn't it, really? I mean, we were excellent. I'm not going to take anything away from our performance. You can't really argue otherwise of a 7-0 win. I would say Huddersfield are kind of like where we were in that first season of Farker. They're trying to do the right things, weren't they? They're trying to play football, 
but yeah. they're just not anywhere near at our level. Um, and I kind of respect them for doing that. But the problem is that we're a Premier League season experience, two championships winners, and we just looked like we were far better. And to be honest with you, it's those sort of games when the opposition tries to play us our own game. That's great, isn't it? And yeah. it was excellent. And I've got to say that Kieran Dow, who kind of came in by then, he'd been kind of like a feature for a few games then, hadn't he? That sort of like yeah. last third of the season. Uh, him and Bundir and Cantwell just looked unplayable really that day. And I just don't think Huddersfield could get near us trying to play pro- you know football really. Yeah, no, you're spot on. That's a really good point about the fact that they did try and play as our own game and they did give us the space. They didn't press us like other teams have pressed us. And yeah, there's only going to be one result. We'd been threatening that performance all season. I think we often said when we were doing the episodes that we're going to thrash a team at some point. It wasn't happening. We were winning by the odd goal, weren't we, the sort of yeah. early, early part of the season. So I think now it's coming. I think you're right in that I wouldn't say it was our greatest performance because the way Huddersfield played also, their keeper pulled out in the warm-ups, didn't he, or just before the game. And, yeah, you know, they, they had quite a bad injury list. They probably, I don't know if they had some players out with COVID. They're not the greatest quality of opposition. I think it was snowing Tuesday. It was. Away. Yeah. It's a lot of ingredients there that goes against the away team, isn't there? This is it. I mean, it's one of those games that you kind of had like banana skin written on it in adverted commas. And actually, we very quickly blew them away. And it was right in that middle of that period, sort of post-Brentford, where it really hit our straps, wasn't it? We were really absolutely flying in. And it was great. The quality of the goals, to be fair, were outstanding, weren't they? They were. I think that was one of the pleasing aspects of it, in that we didn't just thrash them, but all the goals seemed to be like really well-worked, technical, movement, precision yeah. shooting. Yeah. 100%. Do you want to give us one of yours, Val? Well, one thing I want to talk about is Swansea at home, actually. It was the game which I think sent us top, actually, the one new win, or at least we did very soon after that, which we then sat top of the league for uh, the rest of the season. It was thanks to a Marco Stephenman goal, which I believe was his only goal of the season. Yeah, and potentially his last goal for us. I don't know what the future holds for him. You get the feeling that, unfortunately, we've moved on without him since he's been yeah. obviously off and ill most of the season, which is a shame for him. But also, I want to point out uh, Mumba's performance that game. He came on right. at left back in the second half um, yeah. when we kind of we were a bit light on left backs, weren't we? Quintia was obviously around, but he got injured. So, yeah, Mumba came on. And he really gave us an extra, like, injection of attacking Naus in the sort of second half. And he was brilliant. And, yeah, Stephenman of a very tidy, typical Stephenman goal. Kind of shark on the edge of the box. Very good finish into the opposite, you know, to into the corner. The other thing as well, I don't remember it being a massive game. I know we talked about this earlier, about massive It didn't feel like it was two top-of-the-table teams playing each other. I don't know what, what you think about that. I remember Swansea been at that point the best side we'd faced I remember them creating a lot of chances and looking good but you're right it didn't quite have that big game feel and I I don't know if it's because again the fans aren't in the stadium yeah uh, it's quite hard to get that same feeling before a game I completely agree with you it was the Stephen goal stands out and and Mumba's uh, debut as well I'd got Swansea on my list as well but I was focusing more on the 
2-0 defeat. We, there was a lot of talk after that defeat about our wobble, wasn't there? And you yeah. know, our loss of form. But I always, I wasn't really convinced by that. I kind of want to put it into a bit of context. Um, I thought it was really overhyped. I mean, we had a bigger so-called wobble at the start of the season with one draw and two defeats. All it was was three games, and you could tw- turn it the other way. We were, we'd lost one in three. Yeah, I mean, we drew exactly. the others. Yeah. We drew to Borough and, and Millwall away. And mm-hmm. I just thought Swansea, a bit like Brentford, really, they, they'd become the media darlings, hadn't they? I, you know, there was a lot of talk about their their defence, about the way they played football, how good they were, what they were going to do this season. And, you know, if you call our little run there a wobble, that doesn't compare to their wobbles that they had later in the season when... I think Swansea lost four on the trot at one point and they almost slipped out of the playoffs. Yeah, I just wanted to bring that point up, really. I don't know what your thoughts were. I mean, I, I didn't think we were very good that night, but I actually I didn't think Swansea were that impressive either. They didn't seem like a great song. Conor Hurahan had just signed for him, hadn't, hadn't he? And he was one of those players who always seemed to do well against Norwich. I like Hurahan. I was desperate to get Hurahan and Hulahan in the same team. Him and Suarez. Yeah, him and Suarez, if they, yeah. If they, were, they were playing up front together. <laughs> yeah, nightmare. And <laughs> yeah, and David Nugent, those three, absolute nightmare. Um, yeah. He ran at a good game. It was two mistakes there, wasn't it? I think Kenny Killeen, who had an excellent season, actually. I, I mean, a top season. And obviously, commiserations for his injury there. Yeah. But he, he made a mistake for one, and Timmy Krull made a bit of a mistake for another, dropped a corner. It was, unlike them, it was just an off night for us, really. And like you say, yeah. the wobble, because we had... Borrow nil-nil. They just did a job on us and got Emmy sent off, didn't they? Yeah. And then Millwall, which I have got that marked actually, which is the game before Swansea. It's as Giannoulis' debut, I believe. But that was another nil-nil, which you weren't bad and we probably should have won it. I think Pukie missed a chance. So, like I say, going into the Swansea game, it wasn't like, you know, we'd lost four and five or something. We'd just not won the two previous games. Yeah. Lost that one. We had far bigger wobbles back in 18-19. I know we used that we tended to use that as our mm. barometer when we're comparing season on season. We didn't really have a wobble this season, to be honest. No, not really. Uh, other than, like you say, the three out of the first four games. Mm. And just that little period there, I think there's we drew to around Christmas time as well. Like, oh, we lost to Watford, didn't we? Other than that, yeah, we've just been generally superb. It kind of did feel, follow a similar kind of thing to that eighteen nineteen season. Day we kind of started off slowly, uh, yeah. we didn't start sort of grinding out results, sort of like not necessarily one nils, but games we were kind of controlling and getting, you know, doing well enough to win them. And then sort of the second half of the season, after we had a little wobble, we just went on a marauding run where we were just blowing everyone out the water. So yeah, you're quite right. A lot of people were throwing themselves off the cliff of that one. Um, yeah. But it wasn't that bad, actually. Whatever team you are, you're always going to drop, draw a couple of games or lose a couple, aren't you? Yeah, even yeah, if you're in clearly the best side in the championship, you, you know, you're not going to win every one. You said you got Millwall on the list. Did you well, dip into that? Not really. The only thing you said Millwall was just because that's Giannoulis' debut. And I thought that was an interesting one because he... Sorry, Fal, I think his debut was against Borough. It may well have been, actually. Yeah, um, it would have been his second game. Yeah, I remember against Millwall. The reason why I'm thinking this debut, uh, what well, it's kind of that's an introduction to like league football. Millwall are a team who are low on quality for a championship, with all due respect to them, but they absolutely fought like 
hammer and nail for that. I um, I only had that really because of the, it was a very physical game. Millwall are one of the teams we, we failed to beat this year, weren't they? They were, yeah, or failed to score against. Actually. Yeah, exactly. Drew nil-nil both times. The one massive game, which felt to me like at the time the biggest game of the season, was away against Reading. Oh, interesting, okay. Just because Reading were the early season setters, weren't they? And yeah. they weren't quite where they were. I can't actually remember they were in the league, but I know they were a top side to begin with. And I remember going to Reading and we blew them away, really. Uh, we won 2-1. It was yeah. a great performance. And it was that game where I remember watching it thinking, oh, you know what, Alan's right here. We are going to be too good for this league. Thank uh, you, we man. were excellent. <laughs> yeah. No, no, so I didn't actually have Reading on, on there. But one game that I did have, you mentioned the, the Rob Room penalty saves being your final moment of the season. I think this game is my defining moment in the whole season. Stoke away. Yeah. Now, I'll get into the, the, the back end behind my claim there. First of all, it was Tuesday night in Stoke in November, yeah. wasn't it? So, you know, we talked about Stoke on the episodes yeah. uh, that we did. What a tough place that is. And for me, I mean, Stoke were a good side. they I mean, they tailed off a bit as the season went on, but Stoke away was still a really tough place to go. And for a game in terms of having to show character and resolve when all the chips were going against you, uh, I'm thinking of the cruel injury particularly and yeah, the devastating blow that would have caused throughout the team mm-hmm. um, and his influence on the team. Obviously, the Emmy red card, yeah. which second yellow was very, very harsh. The impact that would have your playmaker, the the man who'd, I think he got a couple of a goal and a, an assist in that game. Yeah. Then to concede a goal straight after, and to concede another one, 2018, 2019, I don't think we would have come out of that with any points. But we had that defensive grip. I just felt that was a huge, huge win. I don't know what your, your thoughts were. Yeah, I've kind of got that marked on my list as well. I've kind of got that whole period of like Stoke, Coventry, Luton for a few reasons. And one of them was, yeah, I remember the game. We, I think we were 3-0 up at half-time against Stoke, weren't we? Yeah, we we were two up at half-time. Then we we actually went three up. Yeah. Sort of early door second half. And we were and we're absolutely cruising, weren't we? Yeah. And then Krull got injured. It might have been Krull got injured a little bit earlier than maybe. He got injured taking a goal kick or something, didn't he? Pulled In the five. first half, yeah. Yeah. And then um, McGovern came on, uh, and then obviously Wundir got sent off, and it just felt like it was one of those games where we went from cruising it. So all of a sudden, like we had to dig in, and I think you're right, I think that's a game, 18-19, we don't win, maybe even lose, actually. We had some momentum yeah. going against them, uh, going with them, sorry. I felt that was a big moment of the season, but that's when we had all sorts of injury problems. We had no Pookie, uh, we had no Huggill, yeah. we had no Krull, we had Wundir suspended, and we got a you know, 1-1 one, one draw home to Coventry. I think Aaron's went off injured late in that. And it yeah. was actually looking back at that team list, you're thinking, well, you know what? We actually didn't do badly. It wasn't... It, we conceded the last-minute equaliser, but actually could have been a lot worse than that, you know, considering. And, uh, yeah, then obviously we lost to, to Luton, and it just felt like a game too far for, you yeah, know, Marco Stephen was up front, yeah. And we just had no kind of, like, a figurehead to the team, really. Yeah, you're right. I got Coventry stroke Luton down as well, purely because that 
injury crisis was relentless, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, and it was yeah. just kind of like yeah, it felt like oh god, here we go again. And it was a bit of a hangover from the Stoke game, really. It was all kind of like you know the heroics of the Stoke game had, had cost us, didn't it? It cost us you know suspensions and injuries, and you know the fact that Hugo was you know. At last, had this chance because Pukki was out injured, and obviously he's out injured as well. Yeah, so we had no strikers, and we had Stephen at the front. You know, which was obviously very successful for Spain in like the 2010 World Cup or whatever it was. Just like <laughs> yeah, playing like five months before false number nine. Yeah, false number nine and false number ten, and yeah, um, but it didn't quite work out for us, unfortunately. You know, to come out of that period, and then obviously the next game I have gotten marked down was Sheffield Wednesday at home, where we won two one. We've still got um, a McGovern and goal. Got a couple of players starting to come back. Actually, we then went on a run after that. Got through the injury crisis period. All basically is a spark which was uh, created at Stoke. We got through that period. Actually, quite a lot of wins and quite yeah. a lot of decent results. Yeah, it was tough, wasn't it? That it wasn't just the number of players injured. It was the fact that you could argue that all of them were potential starters, weren't they? It wasn't. And this is it. So. I remember like the looting away game in that period where we lost three one. But that was obviously on a Tuesday night. Uh, we had an unnecessary kit change, which is never a good sign. But also, <laughs> loot, it's one of the few games which we actually had crowd for, wasn't it? So it's Luton's first yeah. game in front of a crowd in the championship. So it felt like we had a lot going against us that day, and so it proved to be. So to bounce back the week after that, after that little period from Stoke onwards against Sheffield Wednesday, to, for Max Aaron to grab like a late winner was, I think, quite impressive. And, you know, for me, a turning point in the season, that kind of Stoke yeah. and Wednesday are those two kind of key results. Yeah, and testament to the strength of the squad that we had, that me and you sort of, Said at, at the start of the season, we was thought it was very top heavy, and we couldn't quite work out how yeah. everyone was going to play and how it keep happy. But we really needed that, didn't we? Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's it. And you know, we've got various players coming and out of the season, coming when needed. Josh Martin came in. I think he scored against Wednesday at the top. He of my did. Head. Yeah. Yeah, and he came off the suspension. He was one of the ones you scored, and that was important. And those sort of like players who came on for those kind of cameos and make a huge difference and did well when called on. Yes, exactly. I've only got a couple more on my list, Val. One I wanted to mention, Bournemouth. Now, for me, the away game, which we, we lost 1-0, uh, I think it's the third game of the season, so very early on. Yeah. Why I've got this down on my list as being a defining point is that gamble or that very public omission of Toddy, Campwell and Emmy. Yeah. Uh, distraction of transfer speculation. Obviously, their heads weren't in the right position. I think they'd Farker basically gave the impression that they they dropped off in training, standards weren't being reached. Yeah. I just think that was massive for that, our whole season. In the context, that could have gone one way or the other. And to be fair to Todd and Emmy it went the way we all hoped and they really did kick on. It was a big gamble, I think. You know, it could have disrailed the whole season if those two had been unhappy and remained unsettled or shown the right, uh, sorry, the wrong attitude. They're two yeah. bigger players. That would have rippled through the whole squad, wouldn't it? It was a gamble and um, I think it paid, obviously it paid off. And I think this is testament to 
them as players, actually, because you can't blame them to a certain extent. Like Max Ahrens, for example, he is being linked with Barcelona, and yet the next game he's pulling his socks up and getting stuck in at Rotherham uh, and played excellently. So, yeah. you know, that's how it should be done. So, But, you know, I kind of get it. You, you've, you've been waved this carrot in front of you, and it's annoying if you don't get to nibble on it, isn't it? I get that, but the gamble paid off. And I think the two key factors were... Once they kind of got their head around the fact they're going to be there until at least Christmas, they got their head down and got on with it. Yeah. And the next key factor of that was us being close enough to the top, well, actually at the top at Christmas time. You know, we could say to them, look, give us half a season here and you're going to get another medal around your neck. And, you know, then we'll see where we're at. But obviously, Godfrey was, you know, obviously doing all right as well. He was playing for us then in the middle of yeah. transferring on. But interestingly, is that another turning point, actually, Godfrey going? Obviously, a top-quality player. Don't get yeah, me wrong. We, we love him, don't we? Yeah. But, but it, is it, Ben Gibson a better actual, pure defending centre-half? Well, if you're looking at yeah our defensive performance compared to when Godfrey was a regular in eighteen nineteen, you know, you can't compare the two. If Godfrey had a stayed, would Gibson and Henley have built that partnership? We're not so sure because Godfrey was such a key player. You can't see him being dropped or yeah. missing out. So, no, I think you're right. And the problem is, as a manager, if you leave out your star players for whatever reason, it's very hard to justify losing, isn't it? That's yeah. the problem. You know, you've got a target drawn on your back. So, Farker is brave yeah. and made the right call ultimately and got them back on side. So, great management all around, really. And, you know, fair play to the lads. Only other... Key, it's not really a key point as such. Is the Forest game away towards the end okay. of the season? Yeah, a bit of a changing of the guard, in my opinion. For me, that was yeah. the first time Kieran Dow had really looked the part, and he went on a yeah. run for me, Kieran Dow, to the end of the season where he looked like properly part of the team. But sorry, Phil, we kept saying throughout the season, when's Dow going to step up? Didn't we? He needs to force the issue here. Absolutely, and uh, he did against. For, for me, it's against Forest. That's when he really came to the party. I know he wasn't directly in competition with Vrancic, but it kind of felt like, you know, Vrancic is... He was excellent in the first half of the season. Well, the first oh, third of the season. Yeah, he was brilliant. And I mean, obviously, last-minute winner against... I mean, there was Wickham, wasn't there? And I think Coventry at home as well. Uh, well uh, Birmingham. Yeah, at Birmingham. And yeah. um, last-minute Mario Magic. And he was, like, up there about leading scorers early doors. But it kind of felt like Dowell had kind of in of the new, out of the old, wasn't it? And yeah. obviously, Mario has then has now since departed or departing. Oh, no. How do you feel about that, Phil? Well, what a beautiful probably man right, and a beautiful Probably player. the right move. Well, I think so, yeah. With all this time on his hands, will he come on the, the podcast as a regular? Yeah, I, I mean, I tried to get him and Teddy for tonight, but, you know, they were both oh, yeah, busy. What, what happened with that? <laughs> uh, well, I sent him a message on Instagram, and uh, they, they didn't get back to me, so sorry about yeah. that. <laughs> obviously too busy. Like Obviously, too busy. <laughs> yeah, special me- special mention to to both of them, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Me. what can you say about them, really? Yeah. I mean, they leave uh, at the absolutely highest regard from all Norwich fans, don't they? Hundred percent. I mean, Teddy's been an absolute. The thing is with Teddy is that whilst not necessarily been technically the most gifted footballer, he's absolutely a brilliant reader of the game, and he's never let himself down when he's played. He's yeah. always done his job very well. He's one of these players that every game he's played, he's probably been a six or seven, which yeah. means he hasn't really stood out, I guess, in terms of, you know, you don't really get many nine out of tens like you would an Emmy, but at the yeah. same time, he gives you that consistency and he ha- he does all the 
all the hard work and he's always stepped up to the plate, hasn't he? Consistent and he's strong and is you know, he's a great reader of the game. And it was always that period I thought under when he, he was in, a Chris Hewton sign in, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, Chrissy yeah. Chrissy Hewton back in the day. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I felt the, the season before we went up the first time was at seventeen eighteen, wasn't it? Um, under Farker, when we had Harrison Reed in from Southampton on loan, I liked Harrison Reed, but I still felt we looked better with Teddy in the side. Actually, mm. um, I thought Teddy's offered that protection last season. He came on, and to be honest, was very good when he played. Um, at doing his job. It's not a spectacular footballer, but it's very good at doing yeah. his job. And particularly when he's asked to deputise at centre-back and those sort of things, in the Premier League, absolutely brilliant. So I've got nothing but the deepest love and respect for, for Alexander Tessie. Yes, definitely agreed there. What can we say about Mario? He's the most beautiful player, both <laughs> on and off the pitch, I've ever seen at Norwich. No, a wonderful player. <laughs> the thing is about him is he always had that um, elegance and time. He always had such time on him. And I still think he does things with a football that only he can do in the team. Maybe Emmy as well, to be fair. But some of Maria's passing and vision is exemplary. It's just his legs gone a bit, haven't they? Dow looks a, a far better prospect. Exactly. Uh, talking about uh, Tetti, do you find it always difficult when the longest-serving player leaves? As that's that last link with some very old days, isn't it? I mean, you're talking playoff final days, aren't you? And yeah, that, I mean... He's almost the last link to the Lambert era. And I know he didn't play under Lambert. I know he was Chris Hewton, yeah. but he was one of the first signings brought into that Lambert team. So it's almost like the last link of our our rebirth, wasn't he, for my League One days, you know, that Lambert kind of era. So, yeah, basically, I mean, obviously, all the other big names from that kind of like late 2000s, early 2010s era have all gone now. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that's a bit of a shame. It's just a shame we didn't get to see him off in person, you know, at the stadium. Yes. I'm sure we'll get a chance, though. You can imagine what it would have been like uh, a full house at home with um, those two coming off it would in have the been 87th minute. Absolutely. Uh, it would have been a heart-wrencher, heart wouldn't it? You would, have, you would have had a tear in your eye, wouldn't you? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely right. No, fantastic. Fair play to both of them. Um, yeah, Murray yeah. is an incredible footballer as well, and so both have been great servants and... I mean, Teddy's probably getting a bit old now, but Mario, you'd think, would be... If I was a championship club, I'd be looking to snap him up. Oh, uh, well, I think he walks into most championship scenes. Yeah. The only thing is, is he doesn't seem to have the quite intensity. I mean, he's always been... Lethargic's the wrong word for it, but he's always got like a, a time and a grace and elegance about him. But it, yeah. it looks like maybe he's not quite got the legs for like a full 90 anymore. Uh, although he yeah. did do that, obviously, last game of the season. And I thought he did all right, actually. But yeah, it just felt felt like with Dow coming on, it felt like changing of the guard towards the end of the season. It there, it did. Okay, mate, that's kind of my points covered off. Is there anything, any other games or moments you want to bring up before we move on to the uh, prestigious Alan Fowl Award? Uh, not really. I was all I was going to say is we could talk about our loaning signings and just see what we think about them. There's a few loaning signings there, wasn't there? Oddie Skip. Yeah. Well, funny enough, one of the awards that I was going to. Award, if that <laughs> if that makes sense, I bet I put best signing. I put Ollie Skip down there. So, do you want to kick off on Ollie? Well, I mean, he's a sensational footballer, isn't he? Absolutely, the footballer we want to get back next season. I think almost our Premier biggest League quality, isn't he? 
Premier League quality midfielder, and I think our biggest transfer ambitions next season uh, should be retaining Bundia and getting Oli Skip for another season. We're not going to sign Oli Skip, and I've, and I've seen a, a lot of rubbish online about like you know fifteen million pounds for Skip from Tottenham. You know, if we're valuing players like That's Max Harris. Well, it, exactly. If we're valuing players like Max Aarons and Bundia at 30, 40 million, which is absolutely correct in my opinion, you're going to, Oli Skip's going to be the same sort of value. That's the fact of it, isn't it? He is, you know, well, that he, instrumental. He, I agree. I mean, you're, if you're clutching at straws, your hope is that with Mourinho gone, and Mourinho really rated him, the new manager comes in and doesn't fancy him. I can't think why not, but yeah, <laughs> funny things happen in football, don't they? Then, you know, I, I can't see it being a signing, but I could certainly see him coming back out on loan. I think it'll be an absolute shame if he never gets to play in front of any supporters at Carrow Road. And I think as we've gone up, we've got a genuine chance of re-signing him. I think it's a great way for Tottenham to blood him in the Premier League without having to rot him on the bench and play a couple yeah. of minutes here and there. So, uh, an in- injury's not too bad. I don't know what the verdict was on that in the end. Uh, it's a metatarsal injury, a famous metatarsal. Well, what I last read, I don't know if this might have changed, but he's had an operation on it. should be out during pre-season. So he should be yeah. fit for the start of the season, or well on the way at least. But yeah, he's probably my signing of the season. But this season, the recruitment's been excellent, hasn't it? They've all pretty much yeah. worked out. I mean, Ben Gibson has been phenomenal, hasn't he? Yeah. As we touched on earlier, Giannoulis... Premier League quality left back for me. I don't know if you agree. Um, I'm probably a bit in the 50-50 camp there. I mean, yeah, basically on his the defensive side of his game, he got a bit of stick for, didn't he? But certainly in going forwards. And you can't argue with the statistics. The amount of goals we conceded when he's been in the side is pretty impressive, isn't it? It's Yeah. You know, it's very low. I don't quite know what he was thinking in that Stoke game when he knocked that ball across to... Nick Powell to pop in the in the bottom corner, but yeah, we'll let him have that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the um, Alderfell awards, and we'll have to get these trophies delivered to the players. <laughs> uh, yeah, best signing, Ollie Skip for me. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. He's the best of a very strong bunch, and also yeah. uh, worth mentioning Sorensen, not because he's necessarily the best, but he's looked good when he's come on as well, and deputised what left back. But yeah, Skip for me. Yeah, brilliant, top work. Player of the season. Oh, that's Emmy, isn't it? Like, and there's many categories. There's many, many players. Almost the entire squad that could come second, almost. But Emmy's just different gravy. However, yeah. however, I cuss it. I've gone for someone else. This about. is controversial. I went for Grant Henley, and hear me out here. Yeah. I, I, you know, I completely agree with what everyone says about Emmy and what an exceptional player he is. I guess I went for Henley on two reasons, really. Firstly. What made our season this year was more the defensive resolve than the attacking quality. And he was a massive part of that. I always felt those few games he played in the Premier League, he made a big difference to us. And if he got more of a run, things could have been different. You know, he picked up the injury. And also, I just think he's he probably deserves it for being that absolute rock when players were dropping left, right and centre. And, you know, he was, you know, he was the only senior centre back towards the, the back end of the last season when we still had a job to do we still went over the line yeah I mean I probably went for him just to be a slightly different and to be a bit try and think outside of the box a bit and it's hard to argue against Emmy in reality but I've gone for Grant um I agree with all you say he's been a phenomenal he's been an absolute rock 
He's been the player this season, which I thought we we were going to get when we got him from Newcastle. Not through really his own fault. He's you know been a bit unfortunate with injuries, but yeah, no, he's been sensational. Great season. I cannot argue with anything you said. And he's more. To be fair, I read an article in the Pinkin the other day about him. He very correctly said that he's got this reputation of being a big, rugged, hard centre back. But he is more than that. He's actually a genuinely decent footballer. And I agree. I agree with all you said. I cannot speak highly enough of Grant Hanley. I just can't argue against him. He wouldn't Yeah. Um, I put best game stroke result, and it, it's almost impossible to look beyond the Huddersfield home game. Yeah, again, the Huddersfield was very hard to argue. There's two other candidates I'd throw in for, for different reasons. The Brentford 1 0 at home, just yeah. because we were so good, and that was the closest we came to the Leeds United game of 18-19. It was the closest we had yeah. to a big game where we really rose to the occasion and were the best team comfortably in a big game. Yeah. The other one as well, similar reasons to the Huddersfield really, but it was a 2-0 away at Forest. Yeah, just you because that. It was just because under Chris Hutton, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get like a tough, well-organised team. Going to be hard to yeah. break down. And, you know, we were 2-0 up inside... 15 minutes when Dow rose to fame and really that 2-0 was almost as good as that 7-0 at home to Huddersfield in terms of performance and uh, we no blew Emmy them away there? no there wasn't that's very true Emmy was was either injured or suspended for that game no. he was suspended wasn't he no, neither. Oh, no, I had a baby. I had a baby, yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah, you're quite right. Yeah, I was, I was worried going into that game. You always get these stats, don't you? Like, Norwich City with yeah. Emi Bundir won at 96% of their games. You know, Norwich without Emi Bundir won zero. It was like that. And, you know, we blew them apart. So that was, for me, a very impressive performance. Yeah. There's quite yeah, a lot of candidates, actually. I'm going to vote for the Huddersfield one, though. You're right. The quality yeah. of goal swings it for me. Exactly. And might put you in a spot a bit here, but uh, best goal... So you're, going yeah, to, no. you're churning them through your mind. So while you're doing that, I'll tell you who I've voted for. Yeah. And I'm going to give it to Dahl away at Derby. My reasons are... Yes, it's probably the only time I've watched a game on TV or I follow where I've applauded. And I remember just saying, wow, power, but it just curled into the top corner. And it, the thing that makes it look even better is, where you know, those three kicks where the keeper just stands there. That was exactly it. David Marshall, wasn't it? Like... Yeah, and a good keeper. Very good shot stopper, um, yeah, certainly. I just remember that, just the power and the, the precision to get that in the top corner. That was excellent. There's a few others I I can think of. The one that sticks to mind, um, Emmy Bundir's volley, Barnsley at home, yeah, from a clean McLean, ball. Yeah, yeah that was he took that. Yeah. pretty tremendous. That was a top-quality goal. Todd Cantwell's white shift for Wednesday is another one that springs to mind. Like that yeah. outrageous curling finish, which is beautiful. Top corner, you can't beat them, can you? No, exactly. T. Watt was a great goal as well, and a real proper, brilliant Norwich City team goal. A little bit forgotten because we lost the game was was Bundy's goal against uh, Bournemouth at home. If I was going to give a team goal, that's probably the one, because that was that brilliant football yeah. from front to back. The pooky little through ball, wasn't it? That's the one. Two defenders, yeah. Yeah, and McLean kind of got the ball forward to Pukki, held it up, you know, looked like he was going to try and run through and the defenders blocked it, so he turned and waited. And It's either Bundia versus Barnsley or Bundia versus Bournemouth for my two. Or Bundia versus Bristol City away. That would be another yeah. memory where he brought well, that we... long ball down from Gibson. and Ridiculous first touch. <laughs> yeah. And in, if you're talking free kicks, Quinn Cheers goal, uh, home against Reading that's a great free yeah. kick and also so was um, Mario Vrancic I think at home to Wickham I believe yes I'd put a shout out for Dulles against Forrest 
And that was against Forest. Yeah, yeah that was a great goal. That was a really good one. I'm going for a Bundia one. Uh, I'm going for a home to Bournemouth. I love that goal. That's my one. Brilliant. Okay, well, can you get these uh, trophies uh, ordered? Um, Sign written. Engrave them yourselves, and then we'll get them. Uh, maybe we could do an on-pitch presentation before the uh, opening. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I've got one of those. Um, I've got I've got those machines, those dynamo machines. I can print out labels on them, you know. Do we need to get two two awards for each one, though? Because we're not agreed, we've only agreed on one category so far, haven't we? Or do you skip? Uh, no, we agreed on Huddersfield at home. Oh, yeah, that's true. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Well, I'll give you Emmy for player of the season. Okay, fair enough. Uh, as long as you give me Dahl for his goal against Derby. Okay, deal. Thank you, Fal. So just quickly to finish off, playoffs, are you disappointed we're not in there? You know, that no. excitement. How do you see it then? Predictions? Well, I mean... Who's going to be joining us? Um, uh, Bournemouth forgot. Bournemouth, Brentford, <laughs> Swansea, Barnsley. Um, I've not been huge impressed with Swansea, actually. I, I think they've been reasonably fortunate to be where they are, if I'm honest with you. I thought Barnsley, uh, last game of the season against us, I know it's a bit of a dead rubbish, you're going to read so much into it, but actually I felt that um, Barnsley are as good as anyone we played, really, this season. Really yeah. prickly side to play against. If you looked at the stats from the first half of the Barnsley game, with the exception of the shots, we were all over them. But actually, like we had one shot in the first half, which we scored from, and they had eight or nine. They were well on top, actually. They were very happy to play without the ball, pressed hard. I think they're going to be a pretty tough team for Swansea, so I'm back in Barnsley in, in, in that one. Yeah, you know what? I've, I've got a fiend for Barnsley as well. Brentford and Bournemouth is an interesting one. A few weeks ago, you said Bournemouth all day long, but they've had a, yeah. both of them have had a switch in form, haven't they? Like Brentford have now picked up. Bournemouth had like lost their last three or four since they beat us, and I think Brentford beat them recently. I know, you know, yeah. to cup final games now. You know what? I reckon Barnsley could do it. Yeah, Barnsley, I think, is a run back in as well. I think I think Bournemouth have got the best squads, but I don't think they're the best team. I don't know about who's going to get through for another semi-final, Brentford or Bournemouth. Yeah. I think probably Bournemouth. I don't It could be either of those two, like you say, because Brentford are doing pretty well again now. I'm going to go for Bournemouth-Barnsley final, and I think Barnsley might do it, you know. Excellent, we agree, and it'll be nice. I mean, in a way, if Bournemouth come up, the three teams that went down have all gone back up. Yeah. Which, I don't know. It kind of, yeah, it's going against the principles of a a fair league, isn't it? And it's obviously showing that money's making a difference, which which we all know. But you don't really want the scenario where the relegated sides are all going back up unless we're one of them. You want new sides coming into the Premier League, don't you? Different sides to keep it it fresh. Well, especially with Uh, like West Brom and Fulham coming back down. And Sheffield United have only been there like an extra season. It's like yeah. Norwich, Watford, Bournemouth go up. It's Fulham, West Brom come down. It's pretty yeah. predictable, isn't it? We're almost like a, a mini league, aren't we, those, those six teams? Exactly. All right, mate. Well, uh, thank you very much for your contributions. It's been nice talking to you. It's been four months since we did the last episode. Really? Get wow. Back the, get back on the horse. But yeah. I know, I'm really, really looking forward to kicking it all off, Series 2, Premier League. Lots of teams in there that we've got decades of history and big games and lo- loads of stuff to talk about so there'll be plenty of stuff for us to get our, our teeth into and just try and keep the spirits up when we're recording episode 15 in early December and <laughs> still yet generally to score feeling quite gloomy yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and of course the other bonus is we'll be I'll be back in the uh, 
recording studio in Holston. Can I wait for that yeah, one? I'll get the owls in for that one. They'll make it all better. It's win-wins all round, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And I cannot oh. wait for it. Yeah, well, thanks for your time, Phil. Thank you for bringing back memories. Talking about those key moments for us has brought the the season back. I know it has, it's only just finished, but it's good to reflect on on some of the, the big moments, isn't there, and uh, what what happened in this momentous season. I mean, it's been a it's been a record breaking season, um, an unusual season. But I mean, ultimately, when we win a title in the quality and the style we've done this season, you know, it's been special, hasn't it? I'm feeling more confident, all joking aside, for next season than I Before. think we would have done last yeah. year. We're probably in a better position this time round. So, um, yeah. looking forward to it. Let's see what we can do. Excellent. Okay, Fal. Well, thank you, and I'll catch you soon. Catch you next season. Thank you so much, mate. Look Cheers. forward to seeing you in the studio. Bye, mate. Bye-bye. Cheers, bye.